Today's scripture comes from a couple verses. Genesis 3, 6 to 7, Genesis 3, 21, and Romans 13, 8 through 14. Please follow along in your Bibles, the screen above, or on the New Mercy app. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because, your sal- because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Thanks be to God. Good afternoon, New Mercy. Um, My name is Lisa, for those of you who don't know me. Um, And I don't get to preach that often, um, but... Um, it's good to see everyone. Usually I'm at the 1030 service. Um, But before we get into the sermon, I just wanted to mention two things. The first is the women's retreat. One more time, I really encourage all the ladies to register for the women's retreat. It's the end of this month. Um, And and I would like you to register sooner than later because um, starting at the beginning of the month, the prayer ministry team, we start to pray through the list of the registrants. And the sooner you register, the more we can pray for you. So please do it soon. Um, and we're excited for the speaker this year. She came to New Mercy um, several times because she's actually a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist. And so she, her and her husband... Um, came to do several marriage seminars for us. And so um, we're excited to have her, just her this time, for the women's retreat. And the second thing I wanted to mention before we get to the sermon is I had to give a shout-out to UVA, woo, who made it to the Final Four. <laughs> yes. And um, especially because last year I, like, hyped them up and they killed everyone's bracket by losing in the first round to 16th seed. But now um, they finally made it to the Final Four, and um, it's so exciting. But um, also because Coach Bennett is really a dedicated Christian, and he's very vocal. And um, just he has this mantra for the team that I think is just so awesome. And the mantra that he has is, calm is contagious. 
Don't you think that's so awesome? Calm is contagious. So instead of, you know, freaking out when uh, the stress is on you, he says calm is contagious. And especially as they, um, you know, hit that shot to go into overtime, you can tell that's, you know, that's what UVA does. Yes. Anyway, um, so let's pray. I know you're all hyped up now. I hope, you know, you guys are doing well on your brackets. Um, I heard Grace is like doing awesome on her stuff, <laughs> but um, I'm doing horrible, but hopefully you guys are doing well. <laughs> but uh, let's pray. Let's pray together. Um, thank you so much, Lord, um, because uh, your presence is um, so good. And God, you say um, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. So thank you so much for today. That today is the day we get to worship you um, together as a church. Um, Would your Holy Spirit come and just open our spiritual eyes and ears so that we can hear and learn from you. Help our hearts to be open to you. Thank you so much, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. So last week, Pastor Christine, she finished out our sermon series called Breaking the Soil. And that was just talking, we had several weeks of um, the different pastors talking about our obstacles to the faith. And she closed that out for us last week. So this week, I'm starting a new sermon series called The New Has Come. And that phrase comes from 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come, right? And so during this short sermon series, for three weeks, we're going to focus on what is different now that we have Jesus, now that we have the cross, what is new, the new has come, right? And so um, I'm excited to kick that off. If we look at the Genesis passage that Grace read for us today, Many of you are probably really familiar with the verses, right, about Adam and Eve sinning for the first time. But right before um, that happens, you can see just a beautiful picture of God creating the earth and God creating Adam and Eve. But one thing that's really amazing is you can really see how God, uh, a picture of how God is just in direct open communication with Adam and Eve. God actually walks in the garden with them. He, um, human beings have unlimited access to him. And it's just a, a picture of an intimate relationship and what it could have looked like if sin had never entered the world. But then we get to Genesis 3. And I'll read that for you. Genesis 3, 6 through 7. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and they ate it and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 7 again says, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. The irony of the knowledge that the serpent tricked or deceived 
Eve into thinking, remember? She says she saw that it was desirable for gaining wisdom. But what wisdom did Eve gain when she ate the fruit? It was basically an understanding of what sin was and how sin separates you from God. That was the knowledge that she gained. It's like for like when you were little or you know someone or we have kids. So um, the first time one of your little ones comes home and it's like, guess what? And you're like, what? And they're like, my friend told me something in school today. And you're like, what was it? And they're like, he told me where babies really come from. And you're like, what? <laughs> right? And that information, your kid can't unhear it or can't unlearn it. But at that young age, is this something really helpful to them? Is it something that's really necessary to them? Probably not, right? Because who knows what God's plan was for Adam and Eve. Maybe he wanted to explain things later to them. But what did Adam and Eve do? They basically didn't trust God. They, they saw the fruit and they were deceived. And they thought to themselves, God must be holding something that's really good back from me. That's what they thought. And so what did they end up doing? They took things, matters into their own hands and they ate the fruit. Right? If we continue reading um, in Genesis, um, I'm going to read 8 to 10 for us. It says... Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Now because Adam and Eve had sinned, their view of God becomes corrupted. And because that view is corrupted, even their view of themselves and their view of other people becomes corrupted. For the first time, guilt and shame enters, and the focus becomes about themselves. If you hear the language or the wording of the passage, I'll read it for you. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was naked, so I hid. All those eyes in there, right? The focus is on himself. Suddenly, God is this scary, condemning judge that you have to be afraid of. Remember, nothing about Adam and Eve's relationship with God had changed. God didn't have some different interaction with them. No, the only thing that was different was Adam and Eve had sinned, right? And so just from that small sin and guilt coming in, their whole worldview had changed. Instead of a genuine relationship with God and going to him for help, what happened? They tried to fix it themselves by sowing fig leaves, right? That seems kind of ridiculous, right? If you realize you're naked, um, and you don't really know how to sew. You don't have any materials. Um, the you know commentators say fig leaves were probably the biggest leaf <laughs> around at the time. 
but probably not that effective, right? Um, but the whole idea of trying to cover themselves because they realize they're naked. They only care about kind of the outward condition. I need to cover myself um, instead of seeing the true condition of what sin really did to them. Now, even Adam and Eve's relationship to each other is changed because it's not one of intimacy and openness anymore. Instead, now it becomes about hiding themselves from each other because they're ashamed, they're naked, but also one of blame. You gave me that woman. (laughs) She told me to eat, right? It becomes now a relationship to each other of shame and hiding. I think Sean Boltz, he's a a famous prophetic person and author, Christian author. I think he says it so well, explains it so well in this quote. He says, shame says, I love someone well when I don't share the burdens of my weakness with them. Because most likely in your mind, you're thinking, I need to protect them, so I'm not going to share this area of brokenness with them. But he says, actually, true sonship with God is actually to allow myself to be seen in my weakness. That is a true expression of love to others. Why? Because that's true vulnerability, right? That is trusting in that person enough to show all your brokenness and weakness and still trusting them to love you. That is true security and sonship. What are some things we're trying to cover and hide from God or from others? Are you being like, or am I, or we becoming like Adam and Eve and allowing guilt and shame to corrupt our view of not just God as this scary God all of a sudden, but also about people corrupting our view about other people, corrupting our view of ourself. I'm all of a sudden become unlovable. All of a sudden, I become full of guilt and shame. All of a sudden, I become this person that's not good enough. Or then other people become people, oh my gosh, what's wrong with them? Why are they doing that? I'm so much better than them. Sometimes that, with sin, that becomes our worldview. But don't worry, there's a better ending than that, right? Because, just like our theme, the new has come. The new has come. Genesis 3.21 gives us a small preview of what God's plan is. It reads, The Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Remember, God's small act of grace, it comes before they're kicked out from the Garden of Eden. He still loves them. He doesn't want to see them vulnerable and naked, so he gives them clothes before they have to leave. But it also shows an aspect of Adam and Eve they finally realize, hey, the fig leaves that we tried to make ourselves to cover our shame, 
it's not working. So finally, when they realize that, they are able to accept what God offers them. Unless you come to the end of what you can do for yourself, then you can start receiving what God wants for you. In other places in the Bible, we see small, short, symbolic previews of God's plan as well for salvation. You know, in the Old Testament, one of the reasons it's hard to read is it talks so much about, you know, uh, sacrifice this bull for that sin, sacrifice this, uh, you know, lamb for that, or if, you, if you're poor, then just sacrifice two birds instead. You know, there's so, many, so much detail about animal sacrifices for your sin. That's one way to help us in our, in our relationship with God. Um, but another thing that I found very interesting was in Exodus, actually, God gives a very, very specific description to Aaron. If you remember who Aaron is, that's Moses' brother. Aaron is the first high priest in the Old Testament. God gives a very specific description on what Aaron is to wear as a high priest before he enters the tabernacle. The tabernacle is, if you recall, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites are wandering around in the desert, they carry this tent. And that tent was supposed to represent where God met them, where God dwelled. And the high priest was the one who could enter that tent. But God actually had a specific description of the clothes um, that high priest was supposed to wear. And that's just another small, right, symbolic illustration of what's to come. Another idea, or another story, if you recall in the Bible, is the story of Joseph. Do you guys remember Joseph? He had all the brothers, and his father made him a special coat. And it caused the brothers to be jealous, Um, And eventually all this bad stuff happened because the brothers were jealous. But actually, when you look at the story, one of the angles you can see it as is that coat or that robe was actually uh, one way to symbolize the type of relationship his father wanted to have with Joseph. He singled out Joseph, and his father is showing him through this coat, hey, I want a different type of of relationship with you. We can also see in the story of the prodigal son, remember the rebel the rebellious son who you know squandered all his father's money and he comes to the end of himself and he's like, oh, "I just I'm just going to go back to my dad's house. If I go back there then at least, you know, I could just be a servant and at least I won't starve to death." And so he ends up going back. And what does his father do the first thing he sees him? The father says, bring me a new robe for him. Bring me sandals and a ring. He puts on the robe because why? Because it indicates you're not a servant. You're my son. It indicates what kind of relationship um, the father wants to have with the son. And that's the beauty over and over again, how God is showing 
hey, I just want a relationship with you. And that's why the cross is so, so important. Believing that Jesus died and rose again for my sins is the covering that brings us back to that intimate relationship with the Father. We don't have to rely on temporary solutions that don't work. We don't have to sacrifice animals, and we don't have to sow our own fig leaves anymore. It's allowing the blood of Jesus to come and fix or realign my corrupted view of God and my corrupted view of myself and my corrupted view of other people. That's what the cross does for us. It frees me to approach the throne of grace with confidence and to love others as I love myself. God has given us the final solution on how to have that relationship of intimacy with him again. And that solution is Jesus Christ, his blood shed on the cross for my sins. In the Romans 13 passage we read today, I'm just going to reread 11 through 14. It says this, And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. He's saying, wake up. Because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This metaphor that Paul, the author of Romans, is using is, he's saying, put on that armor of light. Clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. He's talking about intimacy and connection. It's about letting go of the darkness and the things in your flesh that you're warring against that desire maybe to hide, that desire to lie or cheat or to be greedy or to be lustful, all those things, uh, you know, Paul calls it the flesh. Instead, it's the constant association, the constant identification with Christ. Clothing ourselves with Christ means allowing him to be the armor that we wear. It helps us to fight against the flesh or the darkness. You see, from the beginning, God made Adam and Eve so that he could have a relationship with him. He wanted us to walk in the garden and to talk in the cool of the evening with us. I think maybe the best way to understand that is in the natural, just thinking in general about relationships between parents and children even. Um, I don't know for you guys what kind of relationship you have with your parents, but think to yourself if it's good, um, what kind of relation? What kind of um, relationship would would it be if I had a perfect father or a perfect mother? If it's bad, then think about you know what kind of relationship? What, how would it be different? Because if my dad or mom were perfect, how would it be different, right? Um, and I think this quote from uh, Rob Radosti illustrates it very clearly. Um, he writes, "Religion says." I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. 
But true sonship says, darn, I messed up. I need to call my dad. Do you see the difference in relationship? God wants a relationship with you, not your guilt, not your works, not even your money. God wants a relationship with you. He's not out to, um, you know, catch you when you're doing something bad. He wants a relationship with you. Um, you know, pretty recently, I don't know if you guys heard, but one, a member, a longtime member of our congregation, she passed away with cancer. Um, she was only in her mid-30s. She was married for only about two years. And um, for that one year and a half, she was um, sick with cancer and getting chemo. Um, Wenji and I, we got to visit her about a week before she passed. And, um, you know, because I love her, because she's um, my friend, I had to make sure. So I had to ask her. It was probably the toughest question I had to ever ask someone. Um, I had to ask her, um, Kathy, do you feel like you're ready to die? Because she had already been physically uh, deteriorating. You could just see, um, you know, she wasn't taking any more nutrients. And she had just, you know, dwindled down in weight. It was just, um, you could just tell visibly. Um, And she answered me honestly. And she said, "Um, honestly, I'm so scared. I'm so scared, Lisa. And I want... And I want more time. But when it comes down to it, she said, ultimately, I do, I do trust in Jesus. I do trust that he died for my sins. And so I told her, then you can be sure. If you have that trust in Jesus, then you can be sure that when you die, that you'll go to heaven and that we can see each other again one day. Because I know when she meets God, she's going to be clothed with Christ. He is her covering. Honestly, when she gets to God, he's not going to ask her, Kathy, how many times did you go to church? How many times did you pray? And he's also not going to ask her, how many times did you miss church? How many times did you not trust me and not pray? He's not going to ask any of those things. Why? Because it's all about what Jesus did on the cross. It's not about what we can do to earn our position or earn our way into heaven. But you know what we're doing? As a church, we're doing something called Lent 15. Doesn't that seem the opposite? (laughs) We're asking people to come to church 15 minutes early. We're asking people to, you know, make sure you're doing a devotional um, every day. Make sure you're praying maybe 15 more minutes. Aren't those all just works? If you have a relationship with Christ first, then it's so different. Those just become tools for greater intimacy. For example, if I went up to one of my four kids and said, can you just give me 15 minutes of your time? I just want to get to know you better. I just want to know what's going on with you. That would be very different than, 
hey, I need your 15 minutes because I need you to clean your room. I need you to go wash the dishes because the house is getting crazy. That would be so very different, wouldn't it? And so we're asking you, Lent 15, take your relationship with God seriously. The new has come. Paul is saying the night is no longer has a hold over you. The night no longer has hold over you. Wake up, Paul is saying. Wake up. Brothers and sisters, I want us to pray and understand that Jesus opens the door to this relationship with God. And I know for some of us that many times it's hard to get past our upbringing, um, that desire to you know, try to earn your salvation in some way, or that desire to just look okay on the outside when inside there's chaos. Um, I know sometimes we struggle with that. But God is saying there's something more. The new has come. Step into it. If you believe in his son, then you can have You can have something beyond religion. You can have sonship. You can have intimacy. And so um, I want us to pray. Let's pray together as we think about um, what Paul is challenging us to, towards. He's challenging us towards clothing ourselves with Christ. Let Christ be your covering. As the praise team gets ready, I just want to end with one last um, story. You know, in my research of the Romans 13 passage, I discovered that, you know, um, St. Augustine, he wrote the famous works, you know, Confessions. In the Confessions, he talks about how he led such a life of, uh, you know, of drunkenness, such a life of sex, such a life of just caring about worldly pleasures. Um, even though he knew, um, because his mother was a Christian, he knew the Bible, and um, his mom had been praying for him, so he knew the scripture. But for for some reason, he couldn't give that life up. It was too um, it was too much in his face, and he couldn't give it up for God. But he said one day. Um, he was, he was convicted to pick up the Bible and pray. And that was the passage that he saw. Clothe yourself with Christ. And he said for some reason at that moment, it felt like a light bulb went inside of his heart. And uh, that's when he writes, you know, that famous uh, line, our hearts are restless until we find our home in you. Let your, allow yourself to be clothed with Christ. Allow yourselves to yearn for something beyond just religious duty or outward religious acts. Ask God for something more. And so let's pray. Let's pray that God would open up a new level of intimacy for us. Let's pray.